All right, so let's get to uh, love works. Um, we just sang the song here, uh, love is patient, love is kind. I hope that's in your head. hope that you're singing that throughout the week because it is God's word and it does change us. And so far we've talked about the very beginning, love is patient and kind. Now, how it uh, is those things, how it, it lays down its life for others. We even at the bottom there, how it bears all things, how it, how it, love is about really a death to self so we can choose to love another person. And of course, in the middle, there's all those things that love isn't. That's the reminders of what our flesh is going to do and we try to put it to death, right? It's going to come out and fight. It's going to be arrogant and rude. It's going to insist on its own way. It's going to be irritable and resentful. And we all testify amen to that, right? Because we know what our flesh is like. So we don't give up. We put it to death. And then last week, we talked about the very first thing that we can do to then have that resurrection power of, of God in our relationships. And, and that is that love believes all things. Now, we talked about last week that believing all things is not just about just being gullible. It's about believing all truth of another person. And I gave you that nice little Bible study that I did that lists of all the things that God says in the New Testament. And I shouldn't say all, a few of the things that God says about us in the New Testament took up two pages. But amazing, the truth believes all things. And belief is the beginning thing. When we believe the truth in another person, then we can start treating them as they truly are. And then having that power of of, of life in our relationships, even dead relationships. A great thing. But you know, belief is a great thing, but it's not enough. And the next thing that Paul talks about here is this next one. Love this doesn't believe all things. It also hopes all things. And then there's a difference between belief and hope. And belief is to know that something is true. I give mental assent to that it is true. Hope is that I am positive that it's going to actually happen. It's, there's one thing when we say, well, I believe that I am saved. There's another thing that says, and I hope Jesus is going to come back. Now, in our world, hope has a bad connotation compared to what it meant biblically. In our world, hoping means that it might happen. It might not happen, but I would really like for it to happen. That's not at all the way that it's used in, in Scripture. The, the way that we, it was used in the first century, hope meant this, confident assurance. It will absolutely happen. It just hasn't happened yet, but it will happen. And love has the ability to know the truth that you believe about somebody actually can happen in their life. How? Well, we want to talk about that. So we have this hope. I think the beginning as we look at hopes all things is recognizing that we were created for destiny. That you aren't a, uh, an accident. You're not a cosmic mistake. God designed you and the people around you. He created them. He is brilliant. He is all-knowing. He is all-loving. He is all-powerful. And his sovereignty and his, and, his, and his infinite wisdom has designed each person for a purpose. That's the truth of Scripture. And we can know that and we can believe that, but we have to then begin to say, there's a destiny that I have. And I can begin to live that destiny, but that other person, they're not trash. They're not a mistake. That other person in my life that I'm going to love, they are more than what they appear right now. And hope is what allows us to then begin to live for what is truly true. It lets us live for destiny. And how do we do that? Well, we live according to this thing, crazy thing called love. Because we saw something amazing about God. God can't be contained by anything that we can describe him by. Right? He's greater than. We had this men's retreat really talked about that, this idea how God truly is greater than all things. 
But one of the ways that God does describe himself is that he is love. And he's more than love. I mean, we can't say that that love is God, but we can certainly say God is love. And we look at Christ. And what was the new law, right? The the new thing that that we get from Jesus. John tells us, New Testament, he gets this new command I give you, right? To love one another. In fact, Jesus says, love one another just as I have loved you. Is we understand that the more we become like Christ, the more loving we become. There is no other path in Christianity. You cannot follow Christ unless you follow a path of becoming more and more loving. And so to live according to the destiny that God has for us, we believe that our destiny, destiny is to be totally sanctified, to be set apart, to be in heaven worshiping God, right? To be more and more like him in character and image, to be purified and perfected. If we believe that, then our destiny is down that path of love. Which means that we have the opportunity and the privilege of living with love towards one another. And that means this, that love is not just an accident. It's not some ethereal butterflies in the stomach kind of things. It is a, it is a character attribute, but it is also a skill. It's a way of living, a way of, of, of doing life. It's a way of discovering God's heart and being filled with it and releasing that heart into the world. That's what love is. And love brings us back to the vision of God's identity. When we understand what love begins to look like in our life, we begin to see how God treats us and who he truly is. It's an amazing thing. Hope's all things takes that to heart. We say, I know there's this destiny. I know that destiny lies down this path of love. And that's the confident assurance. That's where we're going. So hope's all things is this. Hope is based upon truth. The hope's all things is not, oh, I hope anything. Just like believes all things is believing all truth. Our hope isn't based upon some wishy-washy philosophy, some, some thing where I just hope that it kind of might be. It's not even based upon some great idea. Our hope is based upon absolute truth. Truth. That's where we get the assurance that it's going to happen. It's not just that I came up here and said Jesus is coming back. It's that Jesus, God, took on flesh, came to this earth, died, came back to prove he's God and to destroy sin, and then said, I'm coming back. I'll take his word. He came the first time. He's coming back. Confident assurance. And I know this, that the very nature and character of God is that he is truth. When God speaks something, it becomes to be. He cannot lie. It's impossible. Think about the beginning. He said, let there be light. Was there light? There was once he said it. Why? Because he can't lie. God said, I'm coming back. Is truth. But he said a lot of other great things about you and me. Truth. He cannot lie. Remember when we did this summer, the, the Minor Prophets? Remember Zechariah? How, what a phenomenal book that was. How God foretold basically human history through Zechariah I mean, with such incredible detail. And he talks about the very end, about how he's going to return. And how bad things are going to be and how he's still going to save his people. In the very last part of that book, chapter 9, 
Here's a passage that was there. Zechariah 9.12, it says this. To God's people, when the end comes, when everything seems to be falling apart, when the enemy seems to circle you and surround you and everything's going downhill and there doesn't seem to be a reason for hope, he says this, return to your fortress, O prisoners of hope. And even now, I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. See, God's hope is not based upon what we see. It's not based upon circumstance on the outside. It's based upon the very nature and character of God. And so even at the very end of time, right before he returns, the, the challenge for us is to return. And he calls us this, a prisoner of hope. Do you ever feel that way? Has hope ever been a four-letter word to you? Right? Like, I know it's going to happen, but why not now? Like, come on, come back. I'm tired of hoping. I'm so happy that in Scripture it says, in the passage that we're in Corinthians, it says that in heaven there's not going to have to be hope. I'm really happy about that. Sometimes we feel like a prisoner of hope, but do you know what? That prison protects us. You know when you lock yourself inside of, this, of the hope of God in your relationship, maybe you have a really hard relationship with somebody and you can't see in their life anything good. They, they seem to be going the wrong direction. You pour into them, you pour in, you, you are burying their sins with them, you're covering them, all this kind of stuff, but they're still very difficult. They're not changing. And it just seems like the enemy is just encircling them, surrounding them, and that relationship seems all but dead. And you believe the truth in them. You believe that God is true, but you just don't see it. Sometimes you just need to lock yourself away in hope. and Say, my hope has never been in that person. And my hope's never been in me to change that person. My hope is in God. My hope is in God. And I will lock myself away in this prison until he comes through. That's what you do. And God says, I promise, I'll come through. Hope is based upon truth. We have to remember that, but it doesn't stay there. It focuses on destiny. It reminds us that this world is not all that we thought it was cracked up to be, right? It's not everything that, that it seems to appear to be. It seems like it's everything, doesn't it? We have five senses and all of them have to do with this world. Is it possible that there are things out there that we don't have senses for? I was building a little robot-y thing with my son. He got these, um, these little collect connector things. They're like Legos for nerds. They're awesome. And you can build circuit boards and stuff with them. Turn on lights and they have all these sensors. One of the things that you can build with it is you can build a light sensor. And so that way if the lights turn on, then the thing figures it out and then it turns off its own lights. And then the other way, if it's dark, then it turns on the lights. What it does is it's got a sensor. And according to that little thing, the only thing that exists is light. Because it's the only thing that it can see. We can see five different ranges of things. But there's a whole other reality that's out there. And God tells us about that reality and he allows us to live for it. What an amazing thing. Belief is about today. When I see, when I believe all things in another person, it's about right now in the moment. That person is being difficult. I believe that they're true, that, that, that God is true in them, that, there is, that, that they are worthy of the kingdom because he made them worthy of the kingdom, that they're forgiven. I believe that they're a saint. I believe that they have God's Holy Spirit in them if they're a believer. Right? I believe that they've been called, that they, that they receive God's love and they're worthy of my love. I believe that he cares for them, that he's a child. I believe all these things about another person. The moment, maybe that's what it takes for me not to just smack them. Right? 
hope is what keeps me from walking away from them. It believes the destiny in that person. It sees, it's, it's far-sighted. This is what it says here in Colossians. It says, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for God's people and the faith and love that springs from the hope stored up for you in heaven about which you have already heard about the true message of the gospel. Now notice in this passage, there's an interesting thing. It talks about faith and hope and how it all ties together with love. Now, Paul's talking to this and they said that you're doing some great things. You're loving God's people. Where does that love come from? How are you loving God's people in such a great way? Because the Colossians weren't always easy people to love. How do you do that? Well, it says the faith and love that springs from the what? Hope stored up for you and what? Heaven. Their hope wasn't in today. It was far-sighted. They saw destiny. They say we are children of the kingdom of God. And that kingdom is far more real than what we see today. And based upon who we are and who that person is, our hope because of that, now we have faith. Now we have love. Do you see how that begins? It's an amazing thing. Hope is powerful. And because of that, they started to see love as not just something that is just thrown away and squandered. It is an investment in eternity. Do we believe that we live for something bigger than today? That how we live now actually matters for the next life. Because it tells us very clearly in Scripture that there are, there are rewards in heaven for faithfulness. And there will be regret in heaven for wasting and squandering a life. So how do we invest in eternity? Love. It's the investment. It's living for the bigger things. Look at every time Jesus says, you're going to make an investment in eternity, what are you going to do? You're going to act with compassion towards another person. That's, that's what he shows. You're going to stand with him even when it, because you love him. We get to live for destiny. And that's what hope does for us. Now, it's also a source of great power. Have you ever met somebody who was without hope? Completely defeated? And what happens to them? They get defeated. That's exactly what happens. But hope is a powerful thing. In Isaiah chapter 40, the prophet wrote this. It says, Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope on the Lord will renew their strength. You get that first part. You can't do it on your own power. I mean... Have you ever seen like our praise place kids? They run around. You're like, I wish I had that energy. And then you know where they got that energy from. They suck it from you. (laughs) All right, that's what kids do. But they, even kids run out of steam sometimes. Right? Even in your best, your strongest moments, you're not going to make it through this world on your own steam. Right? That's, that's just the power of it. You don't have the stamina to love other people like God really needs us to love them. You will run out of love. You will. You will run out of, uh, of joy. You just can't be tough enough to beat the world. But there is a power that doesn't come just from you. But those whose hope is in where? The Lord, the confident assurance that comes from God. 
because those of us who know God know that he overcame the world. That's why Jesus said in this world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Not that I will. This is even before the cross. I have overcome it. Confident assurance. And God is the power that gives us the ability to love other people. Even when we run out of our own strength. How many times in Scripture does it talk about that concept? That when we're weak, He is strong, right? Over and over and over again. He is there when we cannot be. It is Him. He is the one that gives us the ability to believe. I don't believe that you can change and to be in Christ's likeness because of anything that, that's in you. And I don't believe that you can change into Christ's likeness because of anything awesome that I could ever tell you to do. I don't have the power, the smarts, or the patience in order to help you grow more and more like Christ. And quite honestly, you, you don't have the sanctification enough inside of you to really do it. Neither do I. I know that God's sanctifying you because God is the power behind it. And because God is the power behind it. He can do anything. Do we believe that? And we say it. Do we believe it? That He can do anything? If He can do anything, He can change you. He can change me into a saint. He can do anything. Because of that power, look what happens with those that have renewed their strength by hoping in the Lord. It says they're going to soar on wings like eagles. They're going to run and walk. They're going to run and not grow weary. They're going to walk and not faint. That's an amazing thing. You're going to just be able to keep going and keep going and keep going like, like an Energizer bunny, like on steroids, like just forever. But you know, there was something interesting about this. I heard a guy, actually he was speaking up here. I hope you got to go see him. Uh, Wayman Howard. Uh, that wrote the Love Works curriculum and things like this. Fantastic stuff. He, uh, in one of his messages that I was listening to, he, he told me something about eagles I didn't know, so I looked it up. And he was right. You know something amazing about wings of eagles? It's not just a poetic thing about eagles. This is fascinating. Eagles are unlike all other birds. Uh, normally when a storm comes, most birds go and hide. Right? They get under the branches and rocks and things like this, and they're going to weather the storm where they're at. Eagles are different. When the eagle sees a storm coming, this is what it does. It takes the flight, and it flies right into the storm, right into the middle of it. And once it gets in the storm, with all that thing, it just spreads its wings out. And the heat of that storm lifts it above the storm, and it just kind of hangs out. Now, underneath that eagle... There's all kinds of winds and rain and all kinds of lousy things happen, lightning and bad stuff. And that eagle doesn't have to do anything to stay above the storm. It just has to keep its wings out. It doesn't even have to flap. It's just lifted above the storm and it just waits for it to pass. You understand that those that hope upon the Lord, God lifts us to a different place in the midst of our trials. We don't run from the storm. We can run into it because we know we're not the one saving us from it. What an amazing thing. You know, there's another bird that also is not afraid of storms. It's a turkey. <laughs> They'll run out into the rain, look up, and drown. <laughs> we're called to be eagles. Hope upon the Lord, Right? Our confidence and assurance is God has overcome this world, that He's with us, that He's not made us to be destroyed by these things. If He allows us to suffer, there's a reason for the suffering. He's doing something bigger and greater, so I don't fear the storm. The storm has been overcome. I'm going into that storm, and I'm waiting upon God. And God's at work. What an amazing thing. 
Psalm 33. I love the Psalms. It's talking about a war horse here at the beginning here. It says a horse, but a war horse is a vain hope for deliverance. We think of our own power. We often think, I'm going to be able to power my way out of my problems. And it's basically saying, that's not a very smart way of doing life, is it? It says, despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those who hope in his unfailing love to deliver them from death and to keep them alive in famine. We understand that when we hope on God in relationship, that's exactly what we do. We hope on God. The power to find restoration in hard relationships doesn't come from my ability to love that person better. It doesn't come from that person's ability to change better. The power to save a relationship, the power to love another person, comes from the fact that God Almighty is engaged in this, if I allow Him to be. Am I hoping in Him? Am I trusting what He says to be true and waiting it out till it happens? There's a lot of stories that we could tell from this, but I asked uh, uh, Sherry and Larry to share a story that they have from their own life about how they, in their own relationship, have seen hope and have seen it come to fruition and what it's done. So why don't you watch this Larry and Sherry story. About ten years into our marriage, uh, we were in trouble. And, um, you know, the, the trouble uh, just didn't start at ten years uh, when you have unresolved conflict uh, in your marriage, unresolved conflict in your life. Um, it's going to eventually manifest itself uh, sooner or later um, somewhere. And it was manifesting itself in, in our relationship and our marriage. And um, certainly part of the reason that our marriage was in trouble was because I was in trouble. Probably uh, the biggest thing in my life that I loved at that time uh, was an idol uh, that had become very dominant in my life, and uh, I was struggling with alcohol. I am a recovering alcoholic. I eventually got sober in September of 1992, um, and that certainly is part of our testimony, but um, prior to my uh, making the decision to get sober and really rededicating my life to the Lord, um, I was in a very bad place. And um, I remember very distinctly um, getting ready for work one morning and, and looking in the mirror at myself. And um, if, if you would have seen us back in those years, um, probably like a lot of marriages, uh, the trouble that we were experiencing and the, uh, the despair that we were uh, in the middle of in our marriage um, I think we were doing a pretty good job of, of masking it, of hiding it. But I remember very distinctly looking at myself in the mirror um, and, and kind of looking back into my eyes. And, and it was almost as if God had given me a, uh, a glimpse of my soul. And what I saw uh, was a very uh, empty picture. I was spiritually, uh, morally, and emotionally bankrupt. And um, I had not only given up uh, belief in, in Sherry and uh, hope in our marriage, but I had really gotten to a point in my life where um, 
I really didn't believe in myself anymore. I really didn't have any hope in myself. Um, I was in a really bad place. And um, because of that, uh, partly because of that, um, our marriage was in a very bad place. I don't recall that we'd ever talked about divorce. Um, I don't think that we'd ever actually spoke of divorce. But the idea of us not staying together was certainly very much on my mind. And frankly, I remember uh, one evening in particular where I kind of threw the keys at, at Sherry and, and, and pretty much let her know that I was perfectly okay if she wanted to, uh, to leave. Um, thank God she didn't. Uh, thank God that in her case, um, she did find hope. And, um, you know, we, I believe that hope is something that kind of shows up when you lose belief in somebody. And uh, there's certainly a logical chronology uh, to the way that Paul lays out this chapter in 1 Corinthians. And, and, and um, love hoping all comes after love believing. And I think there's a good reason for that. And this is probably a good time for Sherry to kind of come in with her part of her testimony because as I've shared in, in other times uh, along the way that if Sherry hadn't loved Jesus more than she loved me, we probably wouldn't be sitting here sharing this testimony with you. We were, you know, not seeking God like like we needed to be. We were We were involved in our church, very active, but um, in those first, you know, years, I don't think, I don't remember, I don't remember us having quiet times with the Lord and things like that, maybe occasionally, but um, God has a way of putting you in circumstances that draw you to him, and God certainly did that. In, in many ways, we had moved to Ohio, and I really began to seek God, and, and he just, Holy Spirit just met me in a very special way during that time, and began to fill me with a hunger for his word, and just a desire to spend a lot of time with the Lord, and so that's what I did, and um, as I began to do that, God led me to to look at myself and um, began to realize that it wasn't you that was the Larry that was the problem. It was it was me, and I need I, I didn't need to try to fix the problem. Um, that I I needed to just focus on God. And that, and I would just obey everything that he told me to do. And that was the beginning of the turning point because I began to take responsibility that um, I just needed to sweep my side of the street. And I wasn't responsible for uh, what, what Larry did. I wasn't responsible to try to control him or fix him. And I really began to see how, um, how, controlling and uh, de- demanding and manipulative and 
all those things that you become when you see a loved one trying to, to destroy themselves. Um, it's painful to watch. It's very painful to watch. And much of it is we come into marriage with a lot of baggage, both people do, or into any relationship. And God is in the business of cleaning that out and giving you beauty for your ashes. And But it's not the truth about somebody else that sets you free. It's the truth about yourself. And God just began to, just like Larry said, he began to uh, let me meet myself. And when I did, I think I cried for three days. I saw that I needed to change, that my circumstances didn't need to change, but that, and Larry didn't need to change, that, that I needed to seek God with my whole heart and not make him an idol. Because when you're busy trying to control or, or obsess about something, a situation or a person, it becomes an idol to you. It takes your focus off of the Lord and... So I began to refocus on the Lord and say, Lord, what should I do? I just need you. I don't need him to change to be happy. I don't need my circumstance to change. I don't need um, uh, anything but you, Lord. I just need you, and I'm desperate for you. And that is when everything changed. And, you know, you could have very well decided. You still have free will. So if when I got out of the way, you could have decided um, to not obey God. But I began praying for you, and I began to be full of compassion for you. I wanted a new husband, and he actually had me become a new wife. Mm. And then he gave me a mm. new husband. Mm. Seeing, seeing the change in, in, in Cherry um, had a profound impact um, on me. And at first, it really made me mad because it, it eliminated one of the excuses that I had to drink. And <laughs> uh, of course, I found I found another one pretty quickly. But, uh, in 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 seeing um, the hope that that Sherry had um, by God's grace, he began to do the same work in me that he had done that he was doing in Sherry. I remember the day that, that you mm-hmm. asked me to um, to pray with you, and this was still very early into um, the, just the very beginning. You were still drinking at I the was, time. Yeah, I was yeah. still. Yeah, I was still very much uh, um, in denial and and very much in not a good place. But we we began to do some things that um, mm-hmm. really out of out of the prompting of. of of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and, and out of obedience mm-hmm. and probably just because we had run out of options. good ideas. <laughs> we had run out of options <laughs> and we had reached the end of ourselves. Um, but I, I saw that Sherry had not run out of hope. And, um, and so we began, we began to pray. And I remember those first few times <laughs> that we prayed with each other. It was ugly. It was yeah. not uh, mm-hmm. a very loving prayer. But little by little, mm-hmm. uh, God blessed it, and um, power of agreement. It was, it was, it was the power of agreement, and and at the end of the day, you know, in the final analysis, uh, we know that our God um, loves us. He will never forsake us. He will never abandon us. And um, you know, I think for both of us, we hope 
we have shared with other individuals and with other couples through the years that if God can, um, with our willingness, if God can restore us, mm-hmm. if God can heal our marriage, if God could um, get involved and uh, help us and guide us uh, through the brokenness and through the ugliness and through the despair and through the bitterness and through the anger and through all of those emotions, um, quite frankly, God can restore um, any relationship. And really, I would say that anybody who's been married for any length of time is going to go through something difficult and that will become your super glue to God mm-hmm. and it will become your super glue to each other. Mm-hmm. And so God can use anything. Amen. Or anybody. Yeah. It's an amazing testimony, isn't it? And you look at Larry and Sherry and you look at their life and I imagine most of us would never think, well, they had hard times, what? Yeah, because hope... Right? God is the one that can change. And I think we have to understand that God doesn't just do that picky, choosy kind of thing. That God is God. And He loves us. And He calls us into that great kind of love. And God hopes a lot of great things about you, too. And He's making you into someone amazing. As we wrap up this portion of the message, we take out your connection card. Because this is an awesome thing to be able to begin putting into our life. Maybe, maybe you need a little bit of hope. Right? Maybe you're going through something pretty rough right now, especially in a relationship with somebody and having a hard time loving them. Or maybe it's just loving yourself and accepting God's love for you. Maybe you need some hope. Well, here's some things that I've, a way to begin to express that kind of faith, just to know that God is there. First thing is on the back here, you could look on there, it's some stuff. It would be maybe a starting a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never. Actually, you can think of a time when you came to Jesus and said, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. That you've expressed your faith in Him. That you've confessed Him. You've repented and baptized. You've, you've had that. You've not had that opportunity to come and to follow Jesus. If you need that, I invite you this morning to understand that God hopes a lot of great things about you. <laughs> he knows who you are. There's confident insurance that God has. He's might, it's not like He might save you. If He's called you, He will save you. And he won't just save you and then leave you. He will care for you. He'll be a heavenly father, an amazing God. He'll be a comforter closer than a brother. And he has destiny waiting before you because that's what he built you for. If you need to start a relationship with Jesus, let me know. Make sure you have contact information on your card so that way I can call you up this week and we'll talk about it. What does it mean? I'll answer questions. We'll discuss what does it mean to have a relationship with Jesus. But hope begins there. And if you have that, and you already have a relationship with Jesus. Here are some ways to begin maybe having that infusion of hope back into your life. The first thing is I'm going to invite you, like I have the last five weeks, memorize 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. It's not, just, uh, it's not just lyrics to a song. These are the powerful words of an almighty God who cannot lie. Love is these things. Love is powerful. Maybe what you need to do is you say, you know what, I'm going to really commit to not just knowing the words, but thinking about how, how are they true? How do I see these things? Begin praying over these words, saying, God, I need your patience here in this relationship. I need to feel your kindness right now. And maybe you, you recognize your, your, 
your sinful nature coming up and being arrogant or rude, and now God's word will be able to show you that like it does, right? So you're able to say, God, okay, I confess. I'm being arrogant right now. That's not loving. I need to put to death the fact. Maybe what you do is you begin by memorizing God's word and let it do its work in your heart because our hope comes from God. And knowing what he says is powerful. So maybe that's what you start with this week. Or maybe this. Maybe you'd like to see a story of hope. A real person who had phenomenal things happen in his life, but to show hope. It's a guy named Joseph. And you read about it at the very beginning of the Bible, uh, book of Genesis, chapters 39 through 47. So you read, it's an interesting story you're not going to stop you you could read like chapter a day but that would be crazy because it's like you you want to say what happens next to this guy i can't believe this just happened to him what happened it's amazing but i'll tell you what this is a real guy really happened and in the midst of everything around his world that looks like he shouldn't have hope god was still calling him into destiny and had very little to do with what he had to offer it had everything to do with whom god called him and what he called him to be and that's the same god who's at work in your life today so maybe you say this week, I'm going to need to reconnect. Maybe you know the story really well. It's still great to read it and be reminded of the truth of God, how he works in our lives. Maybe this, maybe you need to pray. And that's that kind of a do thing is ask for hope. But maybe what you're doing thing this week is you're going to talk to God and you say, God, help me. I, I need hope. <laughs> and maybe there's a relationship that you are in right now that just seems so dead. Three days dead, locked in a grave behind a big solid door, dead. Maybe you need resurrection power of hope in in your relationship. Maybe that's what you need. Maybe you need that kind of hope for yourself. Maybe you could just go to God and say, God, your love. You know, only love, but your love. I need your hope. I need your assurance now of what you're doing. Give me your vision, what's happening. Show me, help me own that. God will help you. He'll meet you. Well, maybe what you do then is then to begin to live for destiny. And not to snap back at a person because of what they say right now, but to see them with, with, with long-term vision. To say, no, that is a child of God. And God's working something in this relationship. And I'm not going to just react to what they're doing now. I'm going to respond to whom I know they really are and what God is about to do. Which means this, and maybe it's, it's living for destiny is something that offers forgiveness or mercy to another person. Maybe it's sacrificing something that you hold dearly for the sake of that other person because you know that they're a child of destiny and there's something bigger happening there than just having your small things. I don't know what it is, but maybe you say, you know what, I'm asking God for hope. Now I'm going to start living it out. Maybe that's what you do this week and maybe you say, I don't even know how to live for destiny. We'll pray about it. Ask God, what is it that you want me to do? And I always like to say the easiest place, you know, if you're hungry, that's what you think about is food, right? And once you have food, then you're not hungry anymore. Then you don't think about food so much. In your life, sometimes we think about things a lot because there's a need there. Wherever that need is, God's hope is certainly there. He's the one that satisfies. So you look, where's that painful relationship? Where's the hardest thing happening in your life right now? Maybe that's where you begin to say, God, how can I live for destiny in this? And once that's cleared up, there'll be something else for him, you know, for, for you to work on. So no new thing. It's, it's great how that works, right? <laughs> so take away the big stuff. Maybe there's something else, something else I didn't think of. Quite possibly, Holy Spirit this morning has been speaking to you and saying, I want you to do this. Let me know. 
One, because you want to make sure you heard the Holy Spirit, right? It helps you to write it down. That's a helpful thing for you, but it also helps me because I pray for you every single week as you're doing these things. I want to support you. And so let us know. Or maybe there's a prayer request that you have and we can join you in talking to our Almighty Father who loves us with an indescribable love. Maybe you want to say there's a care or a burden. He says, cast them all upon him because he hears you. And there's some power when the church comes together and lifts your request to God. So let us join you. And there's something, write that down. And here in a couple minutes, we're going to take our offering. First, we're going to pray. And we're going to go to God and we're going to, we're going to offer him our hearts and our requests and our words. And then after we have time of prayer, we're going to take our offering. And if we take our offering, what I would like you to do is take this connection card and just put it in the basket as it's passed along with your tithes and offerings. Well, let's, uh, let's go to God. Let's pray. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we are grateful that we are a people that is not without hope. You have given us every reason to have assurance that the best is still yet to come. In fact, we, we are quite confident of that. And we know that there is a time coming when the skies will split and, and you will return in glory and majesty, all that was ever due you. And the brokenness of this world and and. And the pain of this life will be put to an end. And Father, we, we wait patiently because we must for that. And certainly we ask for you to come soon. But as we look, Father, to your kingdom to deliver us from our pain and our brokenness, I pray, Father, that you will help us to live as your kingdom in overcoming this world. Help us to live by the hope of knowing that it's not that you will overcome this world, but that you already have. And that there are not problems in my life or anyone else's that are too big for you. There is not a heart that is so hard that that you cannot penetrate it. There is not a darkness that is so dark that your light cannot, cannot eradicate it. That we are never without your presence. There's not a place that we can go that you are not already there. And there's not a problem that we can't bring to you that, that you're not already aware of. And already know how to use for your glory and our good. Lord, our hope is on you. And Father, I pray as a church and as a family faith that you would help us to live by that hope help us to encourage one another in that hope when we become discouraged help us to rise up on wings like eagles help us to have the energy and the tenacity and the strength and the stamina not to give up on a world that you have already claimed as your own that you came to save Now, Father, we're going to bring you our requests. We do that because we have confident assurance that you hear us, that you are active in our lives and that you love us. Lord, as we pray to you, as we talk to you this morning, I pray that that you would help us guide us through your Holy Spirit. Give us wisdom what to ask for. Prompt us to know what it is that is on your heart. Lord, and give us faith to believe that, that you're going to come through. So, Father, now we ask, please hear our prayers.